In the very center of the kobold nation of Emthotkis rises a gargantuan tower of stone, the Dragon Spire. Though it stands hundreds of feet, the highest point of the spire just peaks over the borders of the realm. The terrain of the massive swamp descends towards the center point, which houses the spire and the lair of the great dragon, Corlectortis, who rules this land. Atop the spire are the quarters of the most favorite of the dragon. These days, they are the domain of Atris, a demon-blooded tiefling who serves as consort to Corlectortis. Their personal apartment sits in stark contrast to the gloomy landscape just out of the windows. The drawing room Atris currently occupies is lit by dozens of candles and sconces, bouncing light off the dangling silk drapes and gem-encrusted fixtures. The red skin of the horned tiefling swallows the light as they lounge on a velvet fainting couch, supported by what appear to be four taxidermied owlbear claws. Atris reclines as they finish reading a letter. A little laugh escapes from their ruby-red lips. Oh, Rolf, you really do have a penchant for the overdramatic. Your time will come, my dear, just be patient. There is a knock on their carved dark wood door. Come in for hell's sake. The door opens, revealing a tiny figure in drab green robes. Felk, high priest of the Cook Shin, worshippers of the Dragon Father, stands awkwardly in Atris's doorway. Visits from the horrible little lizardling were becoming far too common these days. The priests were the only other denizens of the spire, though they occupied the lower floors. You missed the gifting again, Atris. What's your excuse this time? Atris replies without moving their gaze from the letter. I told you, I do not need to present myself every time you tedious fools shower daddy with whatever trash you collect from the outside world. I serve him in different ways, you odious little toad. Yes, of course. Apparently that is by sitting around your little mattress eating sweets while your ass doubles in size. What a sacrifice. Did you get another missive from your boyfriend, the innkeeper? That confirmed their suspicion that the cooks were intercepting their communiques. No matter, they lacked the imagination to translate the flowery language of intrigue. I'll be sure to tell Tordy that you are violating my privacy the next time we are together. I'm sure he'll have no issue with that. Though they sat with their back to Felk, they could feel his face squinch up with anger at the pet names they had given the great dragon. Yes, when do you think that will be, Atris? Perhaps he is getting bored with his once favorite toy. It was true that it had been some time since Corlac Tortoise paid them a visit, and when he did, he would remain in his massive true form, hovering in the air outside the window. He had not taken the man-shape in months so they could be more intimate. Atris knew that this was more for their benefit than his, not that the dragon ever complained. Well, I suppose you get more face time with him at the gifting. When's the last time he received his bounty in person? The Cook Shin's chief occupation was the constant presentation of gifts to Corlac Tortoise. Anything they could get their hands on would be brought to the lair in a ritualized celebration given by the priests and the occasional shreb representative. In the past, the dragon would attend, scoop up the pile and drag it down to his hoard below the swamps. These days, the junk would just pile up for days before it randomly disappear, or more often be burned up with acid breath. Look, I am not here to bicker, Atris. I think we can both agree that something is going on with him. He's restless, and that's never good. If we put our heads together, maybe we could figure out why. At this point, Atris finally turns to face the priest. Are you really that dim, Phil? The Shrebs did something to piss off Delar, and your bastard cousins are coming here for revenge, that is all. He couldn't give a shit about the orcs. The Lich would never commit the numbers to get anywhere near here. It's something else. The Void has gone quiet, Atris. No word from them in weeks. Atris rolled their eyes at the talk of the seers of the Void, mad prophets that stare into nothing and somehow see things. Well, maybe they've all died of boredom. I mean, can you imagine the tedium of gazing into blackness all day? 
Honestly, darling, he gets this way sometimes. Just keep doing your job. Maybe try to find him something different. I hear there's a lot of weird shit coming out of the Feywood. Let's see if you can grab some of that. Atris turns his back, grabs a file from the side table, and starts working on their nails. Fine! If you refuse to take this seriously, let it be on your spiky little head! The shriveled kobold turns around and slams the door behind him. He isn't wrong, they think. Something is not right, and their days are likely numbered. Luckily, an escape plan is in order, and as long as the innkeeper is as greedy as he seems, it just might work. Atris moves over to a huge oak desk and pulls out some parchment to write a reply. As they put Quill to page, something drips from the ceiling and plops down onto the sheet. A strange blob of goo begins to move towards their hand from the page as they jump up in surprise. Then more drips begin to fall all around them. One final thought occurs to Atris before things get dark. Who's going to clean up this mess? Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are the Architects of Entropy, and this is episode 50. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and we have yeah. a special episode for you. Everybody dies. Oh, I'm, ah, I blew it. Sorry, guys. Just edit that out. Edit that out. That can out. be any episode at any time. <laughs> <laughs> the characters will live on. All the players die. Yeah. Just saying. That would be that would not be great. But uh, yeah, this episode, much like myself, is 50 now. Wow. Hey. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, 50. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, oh, I remember that that long ago. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. 50 episodes in. We are rocketing to the finale of this season, though um, we have taken an unexpected little turn here. Not that it's going to uh, slow us down or impede our progress. It's just more opportunity to have some fun. So, hey, episode 50, let's do a big old recap of as much as I can right up front here in really broad strokes. Whole thing started when a dwarven priest. A Esog druid, Esog being, of course, a uh, magically uplifted weasel person, <laughs> and a, uh, well, human-seeming ranger, who we later found out was a little bit more than human, met in the big city of Malshar and slowly got themselves immersed in a lot of city problems throughout your adventures in the city of Malshar. You helped the lower class, the more downtrodden folks of the city survive a, a huge siege, and you uncovered a uh, strange uh, infection that was uh, causing uh, problems all over the city. Uh, got involved with thieves' guilds and councils and uh, managed to get out of town just before a lot of heat was thrown on you for things you got involved in. But you wound up chasing uh, what look to be the source of this infection, which is some strange kind of undeath corruption on your way to the next location you were going to, a magical silver birch forest known as Wenya's Hollow. You met a gentleman who would be the, I want to say moral center. No, that's not good. That's not even close. <laughs> uh, you met a gentleman on the road who would be another fast a companion of yours, Sir Nolan Keth, a questing knight on a journey to you know, do nightly good things and help people and stuff. Uh, and uh, throughout the course of your journeys in Wenya's Hollow, you chased this infection some more. Uh, you found that it had somehow infected the heart of the forest, which you were able to fix with the help of various fey creatures, uh, witches, and a, a strange Duragar druid. Then you chase the infection next to a place uh, commonly known as the Cauldron, uh, which is the home of the Mycologs, a strange race created by Kevin of <laughs> mushroom folk, very intelligent mushroom folk. And within their whole uh, region, this corruption had taken hold and uh, you fought against weird possessed plants and uh, strange zombie Mycolog guardians. And you learned that the corruption was 
trying to eat at the heart of this very people. And you were able to basically through using your powers of persuasion, able to convince them that the one thing they needed to survive was to continue to reach out and be part of the world and not isolate themselves. You've learned the source of the corruption is a being that is known as the God without shape, which is apparently some kind of ancient entity that was trapped inside the very planet itself, who is reaching out in the form of this corruption and trying to find a shape for itself. Escaping from the cauldron, it has apparently made its way south through what has been called a primordial slime canal, which is uh, the name of my band, <laughs> as soon as we're done with this, that has gone to a horrible swamp called Emphodkis, the home of the strange and mysterious kobolds who are masters of explosions and airships and strange inventions. And it's also home to a big dragon. So you have tasked yourselves with going to this place, which is uh, notoriously hard to get into and move around in. Very little is known about the interior of this place, other than the fact that you know that there's some kind of great intelligent slime that might uh, have some information or something. So at our last episode, you got yourselves together and decided how you were going to travel. Nolan recalled that he has an associate in the breadbasket, which is uh, a lot closer to Anthodkis than the cauldron. A gentleman named Arf Splitbarrel, who he had had some business with in the past, and he uh, believes he might know something about how to get into Anthodkis in a more official capacity to hopefully escape a lot of the traps and nonsense. So you're going to a place called the Booms End Inn, which apparently is where People outside of Anthakis can hire the kobold mercenaries and engineers for various uh, wars and projects uh, that require explosions and such. And that's Arf may know something about this place and how to maybe trick your way into uh, getting through here. So luckily, the Mycolog wizard uh, that you had befriended teleported you into the middle of the breadbasket, which is the region where the halflings settle. And that is where we find you. As we move back into our story from that ridiculously overblown recap of the entire campaign that I just did for some reason. <laughs> so <laughs> as the teleportation effects wear off of you, you find yourself in the middle of a village that is somewhere you surmise in the center of the breadbasket. Nolan, you have been here before. You find yourself in the village of Harvest Home, which is uh, one of the villages in the heart of the breadbasket. And knowing that your friend Arf Split Barrel has a penchant for uh, drinking and uh, has aspired to open his own tavern, you have made your way to the local tavern called the Tacky Elk. Hmm. And as you're we're moving in there to hopefully find your friend, you hear from within this busy tavern, Arf Split Barrel, for the last time you're cut off. Get out of here. And that's where we find you hmm. now. I think he's in here. <laughs> Follow me. You sure? I don't know. Something tells me. I will make my way into the tavern, find the disturbance, and hone in on Arf. Okay. What's everyone else doing while Nolan is going into the tavern? I'll follow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll follow. Okay. I will sit down at another table so not as to mess up Arf's uh, interaction with the rest of the party. <laughs> okay. And, oh, yes, one thing I forgot to uh, to throw into those of you who might just be joining us in episode 50 for some reason. Nolan has uh, acquired a squire who is one of the aforementioned mushroom people named Morple, and he is not sure whether he should follow Sir Nolan or uh, stay out here with Razor. Stay with Razor. Back him up. Good idea. I'll keep an eye out here just in case. You got it. You're good at this. Yeah. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. I can use the help. <laughs> keep rain outside, too, because I imagine people would appreciate that. Yes. Be a good boy. Mm -hmm. I was talking to you, Karen, and rain is always a good boy. Yeah. <laughs> he is. And uh, yeah, your wolf will go over and uh, sit at the side of our two friends here. So Nolan and Zika and Kiernan, as you enter this tavern, it's mid-morning and uh, it is uh, fairly busy in here. You uh, are assuming that the people who have just finished the very, very early morning farming and other things that give this place its name are enjoying uh, a little bit of a, uh, a late lunch or late breakfast or whatever 
various halfling meal. So it's not chaotic or crazy in here, but uh, there are quite a few halflings around. And as you make your way in, the tavern itself is kind of laid out all around like a central bar and a hearth that goes basically up through the roof of the building. And so everything kind of radiates out from this bar and you will see a female halfling trying to shoo out a disheveled looking halfling who is picking himself up off the floor and trying to ingratiate himself back to his host. And it is this point, Nolan, that you recognize Arf Split Barrel. And he has seen better days. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and quickly share an image of this guy and then I will describe him. He is a blonde, freckled halfling who is uh, wearing disheveled brown and orange clothing, a long coat that has seen better days. He has a hairstyle that some might call in other worlds a mullet. <laughs> it's short yet tall on top and very long and disheveled in the back. He, disheveled is a word that comes up many times. Uh, he is picking himself off of the ground. Uh, he has what looks to be a black eye that probably wasn't given to him today, but fairly recently. And he is most decidedly incredibly drunk. Hmm. No, no, no. I tell you, I'm not need to cut me off. I'm a, I have credit in this establishment and many other establishments in the city. And I, you will uh, respect my, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this place. And then just kind of passes out on the ground. Arf, good to see you, buddy. And I will scoop him up and, <laughs> and give him a big hug, even though he's passed out. I will point him away from me so when he vomits, he, I don't get any on myself. <laughs> That's a good idea. Uh, yeah, this is not my first rodeo. Um, <laughs> and i was like, oh, buddy, well, what? You want to leave? Well, let's get out of here. And I will carry him, making some probably sad attempt at him being upright at this time. Uh, What's that? <laughs> and I'll just walk out with him. Oh, the brewer be praised. Thank you so much for taking care of this problem for us, tall fella. Come back later and I'll get you your friends a drink for free. But, uh, you know, later after you get rid of Saucy McGee over here. No worries. And uh, I'll wander him outside and uh, well, let's find a convenient pond to dunk him in. <laughs> okay, yeah. So you walk a little bit away from the village proper and there is a small placid, pleasant little duck pond that is uh, kind of off to the side and uh, near a friendly little copse of very fluffy trees. You know, those big fluffy looking trees? You know, mm. They're not actually yeah. like fluffy, but you know what I mean? Yeah, they're fluffy looking. I gotcha. Friendly looking trees. Are you just going to toss them in? I don't know what our swimming ability is. So I will toss him in and then go, oh, crap, and then go chase him. Okay. <laughs> and, like, wait in after him pretty quickly. <laughs> All righty. Well, you give him a good uh, a good throw, and luckily this pond uh, doesn't seem to be that deep. It's kind of a shallow <laughs> pond, but he is splashing around as he kind of wakes up. Oh, what? Oh, what am I doing? Somebody uh, uh, throw me a rope. I'm drowning. I fell off the ship. Oh, and uh, he will eventually kind of come to and just look through squinted up eyes at all you uh, fine folks who I'm, I'm assuming are roughly near this scene. Yeah, standing over him with our arms folded. <laughs> <laughs> Went from drowning in one wet to drowning in another wet. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I don't owe you money, do I? Because I can tell you right now that I have a lot of uh, gold in play, a lot of investments and things that I need to keep my... Very good news, Arf. You don't owe us anything. Except some information. Come on, let's get you out of this pond. Flink, is that you? Oh, no. Wait, wait. Are you still doing that fake night thing? Sir Nolan Cat, pleasure to meet you. Oh, right. Nolan Yes, I was good at Nolan or Nimrod or something. Uh, sorry, yes, I'm sorry. I don't know what it. I, I don't know. I don't know who this Flink person is. Oh, uh, yes, Nolan. It's a uh, common sir, name these parts. Uh, sir Nolan. Uh, yes. So, oh, uh, you can see him kind of rolling around in his head, and he has that look like, "Do I owe this guy money?" 
<laughs> and he is not sure. I have to admit to not believing that we owe each other anything. But uh, if we do, let's call it all square. If you can tell me a few things about the uh, kobold mercenaries in Anthodkis. Who's into what now? I, I, uh, oh, uh, I... Yeah. Oh. You used to talk about having dealings with them back in the day. And uh, hopefully that was not just a fun little tale spun for our benefit. You know, back in the old days, the good old days. Oh, yes, the good old days, yes. Yeah. Many promises were made and stories were told and mistakes were made. Oh, and he starts kind of wringing out his clothing and goes, um, I might need a little something to jog my memory, though. You know, uh, perhaps a little bit of a food, you know, a little bit of a refresher. Yes, food. I think you need food. Food of a sort. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll buy you lunch. And then he starts patting himself down and goes, yeah, mm, no, it's it's I, okay. It's it's okay. If you're among friends, there's no need for the theatrics. We'll buy you lunch, but we'll, we'll have to take it uh, picnic style. Oh, yeah. Somebody caused a big ruckus at the inn and it's all a whole thing. And I don't think oh. some, of my, some of my friends can go back in there at the moment. But I'll look over at, at everybody else and go, hey, can the two of you who aren't banned from the inn Wink, wink. Go and just buy some food and some ale and just meet us back out here. Sure. Hey. I'll go with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I'll pick up some dirt and put it on my, like, shoulder or something. <laughs> <laughs> Complete the ruse. Yeah, there we go. That place... Uh... I was this close. I had a, I had an offer on that building where it come up for sale three, four years ago, and that Matilda Fufflebottom, she got it. She, she, uh, I know what she did to get a hold of that place. Well, you know, it takes a long spoon to sup with the Fufflebottoms, so. <laughs> oh, let me tell you some of the Fufflebottoms. I'll tell you what a tricky bunch they are. Oh, boy, my accent is changing every five seconds here. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I'm settling into this voice. <laughs> I had a voice all prepared, and then it it kind of went haywire and turned into kind of a combination of Drell Sabullis and uh, something else. But it's kind of settling into this weird country accent that I have here. But anyway... Uh, you know, and it's not unusual. ARP had lots of different uh, pseudonyms yeah. that you would work yeah. under. You know, uh, Flint uh, Fuff Nozzle and oh, yeah. uh, and uh, uh, Hank Hipplebauer, uh, Jeff. You know, those <laughs> yeah. kind of random names. Uh, that random fantasy names like Jeff. Yeah. Like Jeff. Yeah, from the old country. I got a halfling name generator open here that I did not even look through when I was doing that, but you know, <laughs> never right. Your name generators do not always get along. <laughs> the tacky elk. She named it after a stupid story about a deer backing into a tree. I mean, what? A, just dumb. It has no, you know, pizzazz to it. You know. I think uh, the problem is is that you are a worldly man, and Breadbasket is uh, pastoral and, and, and somewhat backwatery, and, and I think you probably want to own a, a tavern in a bigger city, a, a more happening cosmopolitan place. Because, uh, you know, the tacky elk is probably something that the locals eat up as a charming, delightful little thing. But you and I, of course, men of the world, we know better, but uh, it yes. makes them happy. So I'd set your sights on outside the breadbasket. You've never really had the breadbasket temperament. Uh, that's true. I never really fit in here. I got a bit of a brown thumb. I'm not able to make anything grow except occasionally uh, a coin purse. All right. Well, I think the term is purple thumb because a brown thumb means something completely different. Oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Razor and Kiernan, you're able to uh, go back into the tavern and get yourself a selection of uh, bread and cheeses and some meats and uh, and ale. And And look, they were all out of ale. (laughs) Don't do that. No. (laughs) Just warm water. That's all they had. Tea. (sighs) How convenient. The inn ran out of booze. They wouldn't sell it to us. (laughs) I think they could smell you on us. All right, well... This bread will soak it up. All right, hold on, give me a minute. And you lay out a little picnic here by this pond. Occasionally you see some farmhands and town folk occasionally pass by and look at the scene and just kind of confusion at the odd lot of people here. And then they see uh, Arf and they go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then they just move, give you wide berth. You know, this place used to be a lot nicer before all the weird stuff started happening. <sighs> but it was always oh, boring. 
Mm-hmm. Boy, we got into a mix back in the day, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. And as much as I want to reminisce about the old days, which I desperately do, and I'm not changing the subject because I don't want to, our, we have a very important opportunity, but it requires us to get into Enthodkiss. And I was thinking, since you're such a worldly and clever gentleman who might know what the mechanics of getting into Enthodkiss without blundering through the swamp or sailing through the river defenses might be so that we could maybe transact with the mercenary companies of Enthodkiss. We want to hire some kobolds to blow some shit up. How do we do that? Oh, well, first of all, do I want to know why you want to go to Enthodkiss? No. Okay. Because that is a weird place to need to go. It is, but the money is right. And there's a small finder's fee in it for you if you can get us information on how to get there. Ah, well, finder's fee. I don't know how much loose coin you have rolling around, but tell you what, it's not cheap. Well, you're going to need to go to a place. Oh, God. God, This is not the best. I've never been there. Have I been there? No, but I've known people. No, I know all about the place. The Booms End Inn is... Mm -hmm. uh, it's an inn that's just a few miles outside of that hellish place. On the other side of the Ragged Men, you know, the mountain range that separates uh, the wild from the swamps. All right. The God's Teeth Mountains is what they call it. But uh, those folk around there still know it, and I'm sure you do know it as the Ragged Men. Hmm. And it's a really, really bleak area of land between there and the swamps where a lot of pleasant folk go. I think an old forlorn road off the southern pass, and you find yourselves at the inn. The inn has been run for many years by the Ruger family. They're not a bunch. Originally, it was a Heinrich and Margareta, but uh, I believe they have since passed. And their children, there were three siblings, uh, took uh, possession of the place after they went. Uh, Rolf, Helga, and Reinhardt. Reinhardt was the eldest. They all lived uh, in and worked in and around the inn. Uh, they... Uh, purchased the place. Uh, God's only knows why, but they found that at some point the Ruger family had made uh, some kind of deal with the kobolds uh, that they would act as go-betweens uh, between anyone who wished to hire them out. They're mercenaries, they're engineers. Well, they, aside from just running the horrible inn, they met essentially anyone who wishes to venture into Amthakis and sample the wares. Now, the kobolds are a very secretive bunch. They are very guarded or their secrets, their technology and science, as they call it. They have weird powders and potions, and apparently they have flying balloons and all manner of strange, strange things. They concoct these uh, oozes and slimes and all manner of horrible weaponry they sell to the highest bidders. But you got to get there. It's a uh, unpleasant but not impossible journey, and there is a road there. But uh, the big problem is... They're pretty selective as to who they uh, allow to go in there. Mm -hmm. From what I understand, they need to know that anyone who goes there is, one, able to pay, and two, it's not looking to steal, settle any scores, or worse than yet, no do-gooders going in there, you know? People have come in there questing to kill the great dragon and all manner of beasts that apparently go there and... They're not looking to plunder the kobold for their secrets. They're uh, wishing to put an end to the foul weaponry that they taint battlefields all throughout Ayamora with. There's legends of whole towns being set ablaze and exploding. Uh, villages that have been uh, laid low by acidic slimes and all the horrible things that they bring with them. These days, the kobolds are... Mostly have been farming their workouts to the dragonborn in their war against the orcs. The, the kobolds share some blood, I guess, with the dragonborn. They are supposedly the spawn of uh, the great black-green dragon, Orlac Tortoise. He's a fearsome beast that occasionally haunts the areas around. Well, I think, first of all, we can all agree that questing people are the worst, and everybody hates those assholes. Secondly... I think we can probably convince them that we're not there to fight the dragon. And I look at uh, the rest of the party like, right, we're not fighting the dragon. No, no. <laughs> no, no. 
See, we're not into that. We're just looking to uh, some small-scale boom stuff for a little venture. <sighs> it's a friend-of-a-friend kind of a situation. Well, a patron of a patron, but it's not important. All right, well, that seems pretty straightforward. We have to go in there, we have to impress the uh, Rugers, and they'll uh, hopefully let us go meet the kobolds. And uh, you see Arf just kind of eyeballing all of you. You know, you're in your knight outfit, mm-hmm. and you have what is very clearly a, a dwarven priest. He doesn't have a beard. He might be a little boy. You don't know. Come on. <laughs> a little mushroom guy, and, uh, you know, Kiernan, you know, Kiernan probably looks a little rough around the edges, but uh, yeah. you're going to need a good cover. They're going in looking like you all look right now. They're just going to cause suspicion. They can sniff out uh, hero types. What would you suggest? Also, I'm not sure if you're aware of what my order's been up to, but hero types ain't the thing, man. Ah, that is true. That is true. (laughs) I'm the scummiest person here by a lot. (laughs) My situation only improves if I take this sigil off. Jeez. (sighs) All right. Well, uh, uh, Kieran had a good question. What what do you suggest that we do? Well, there's a couple of things. Um... You're probably going to need to do yourself up. You need to come up with a uh, a good story that uh, can get past them, or at least uh, with few details as possible. Mm-hmm. I'll look over at all of you and then look over to... And Nolan, you're going to probably want to do a lot of the talking. Yeah. Get a bit of a silver tongue back in the day. Mostly why I'm here. You're going to also need to show a significant amount of coin. I mean significant. These days, they're not even going to look at you. Unless you could show them at least a thousand gold pieces. Mm. And that is on mm. the low end. Now, I don't know how you're all set for that kind of coinage, but uh, not a lot of people walking around with that kind of gold. Uh... Yeah. I, as we said, we're not the quest in sort, so we don't really have a lot of quest rewards like gold. Is there a bounty on you, Arf? <laughs> <laughs> not that you're going to collect. Not here, anyway. We didn't take this particular gig to uh, wander into Thodkiss and engage some mercenaries and do stuff because we were flush of cash. So uh, we'll have to come up with something there. Have you ever been inside in Thodkiss, Arf, or have you just been to the, the inn? Oh, hells no. Mm-hmm. No, I, uh, I, I, I've never been in there. I never want to go in there. I've had never had any reason to go in there. Places lousy with traps and horrible beasties. They got rat men and lizard men and and snake things and 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 oh God, not to mention they're all somehow done and pissed off the orcs. They had orcs raiding the southern parts. Apparently, from what I understand, are crazy enough to go in there and cause trouble. Okay, I tell you, you're walking into a mess. But the money, on the other hand, I, I might be able to, I might be able to let you borrow some coin. All right. Who are we borrowing it from? Oh. Call me skeptical. You don't look like you're carrying a thousand gold or have it buried anywhere. I'm not carrying it, but I have put together a little bit of a nest egg. My dreams of owning my own tavern didn't die when I came to this godforsaken happy place. I put together. A goodly amount of gold and got outbid by that horrible true. Mm-hmm. So I do have access to a amount of coin that should pass muster. But, well, when I say access, yeah, I mean, it's mine. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I had to leave it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, I left it somewhere that I thought would be, well, it's safe. But um, how many guards? Oh, no, there's just one. Just one formidable guard. Uh, An owl bear. Mm-hmm. Just, just give us the page number of the monster. No. Um. Oh, worse. My ex-girlfriend. Ooh. Mm. Petunia Bulgewillow. Oh, she's a fair lass indeed, but a bit of a temper on her. She'll hold his grudge as high as the dragon spire itself. So she's not going to just give us the gold if we ask her. Well, if she knew about the gold, it'd <laughs> probably not be there anymore, but she doesn't. Okay, that's good. All right, good, good. It's buried in an old sack underneath a very unpleasant amount of dirty clothes in what used to be my closet. Right. And lords know she is no friend to dirty laundry. And the bag is, uh, let's put it this way, it's deceptively small and very, very uh, unassuming looking. Very good. All right. Have you uh, thought about relocating? <laughs> I could give you a letter of introduction to a bar called the Talking Bell in Malshar. <laughs> ah, 
The Talking Bell. I've heard about that place. Apparently, it was founded by heroes who disappeared and is being run by a, a serpent folk, of all things, and the world's largest goblin. At least that's what they say. Sounds like a place for an entrepreneuring young man like yourself. I need my own place. I, I want to put up my own shingle and, 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 and make the place my own. Melshire seems like a good place. You go there, you get an introduction, you, get, you figure out the lay of the land there. You have some place to kind of hang out and make a plan. And then you can open a place where it seems like it's exactly your kind of uh, thing. I don't know. I, I think that's a good plan. Let me ask you this. Last time I was in Melshire, I, I ran up against some unpleasant fellows. Apparently, they have a really, really organized thieves guild there, and they don't take kindly to people muscling in on their territory. I would just join that guild if you're going to do thief stuff. <laughs> That's just kind of how it works. You got to pay the tithe, man. You know that. Pay your dues and do what you want. <laughs> Nolan's disgusted by the fact that he's even considering. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, Arf, I think the way to do this, I think, I think Malshar is the place for you. You can have a think on it. We'll go. We'll retrieve your gold. We're going to borrow it. And then we'll come back and give it back to you. We'll give you a little finder's fee on top of it for all the tremendous assistance you've given us and for the loan. And then we can set you up on that uh, letter of introduction to the talking bell, was it? And I would just advise you to, you know, approach said legitimate guild and, you know, kind of play by their rules. If Gallus be willing, you pay what is owed. Yes, yes, Tiv Gallus, I know the code. <laughs> For good faith, and I'll just shake his hand and I'll give him two coins, and I will say in uh, Thieves' Cant, be smart about this, Arf. We'll look out for you, but be smart. Well, where's your ex-girlfriend live? He lives over on the other side of town. If you look up the hill there, there's a big mill, and about... Mm, Four or five buildings from there, you're going to see a, a big, big pink house. And that is uh, where she runs her, her, uh, didn't think of what this was. <laughs> she, uh, her John Cougar Mellencamp. Uh, <laughs> There's a reference four people in the audience got. I'm sorry. <laughs> four is way too many. It's our, it's our audience. <laughs> yes. No, uh, she, oh, she, uh, she's a basket weaver. Mm. She weaves baskets and mm -hmm. other stuff you would you know real exciting stuff but boy she's got a powerful temper and she yeah. she's hard to befriend I'll, I'll, i can show you where to go and then i'll just uh kind of stay out of the way just to make sure all right it'd be really good if you'd stay out of the way just because this is a personal matter and we don't want this to be personal for us it's a job for you it's personal it's very important and that's the only reason i don't want you in on this arf because norma i'd like you there because you know stalwart man on a job is important but this is personal for you so i need you to stay back okay no no i understand i understand i'll i'll stay uh, i'll stay a good distance away uh, just as long as i don't hear that mellifluous voice oh so captivating hey oh, where was i all right okay here we go um and uh he leads you across town you had uh, past many small shops and Homes, as you're approaching midday, there's uh, children playing in the streets, people off to the side, whittling and shucking corn and, well, no, not corn, it's winter. Uh, you know, they're out there doing homespun shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's real. It's real. It's it's something else. It's pleasant. It's very pastoral. It's lovely. Very Let's pastoral. get the hell out yes. of here. It's the winter corn. <laughs> yes, the winter corn. Bringing in the winter corn and the... Uh, they're rolling around big uh, heads of lettuce and wheelbarrows and such. And uh, they're planting the sheep, <laughs> planting the sheep, plucking the pigs. Although, to be fair, winter corn does sound like a, some sort of fantastic creature, too. <laughs> yes, winter corn. Good surname. I'm Josiah Wintercorn, and I am your doom. <laughs> oh, save it, save it. We got another <laughs> season starting soon. <laughs> And I, I heard my flock of winter corn. <laughs> yes. So, yes, you make your way down a cobblestone path. You go past a massive uh, mill that is just huge water wheel. And uh, you hear the sounds of people uh, pounding grain on the big rock things mm. and all the stuff they do in mills that I don't really understand. It involves a water wheel of mm -hmm. some kind. <laughs> As you... Uh, 
crest uh, another small hill, you will see a little pink home with a little sign on the side of it. Petunias Baskets. And there's a little sign with a uh, basket of petunias on it. And uh, and as you approach that area, uh, oh, there she is. Isn't she a majestic vision of beauty? And uh, you see Petunia. <laughs> uh, she is a very uh, zoftic uh, young lady. She is uh, plump and she has this... Uh, kind of crazy stringy red hair that shoots out all over the place. She's wearing this uh, brown weaved homespun outfit and uh, she is out there with her reeds and basket weaving materials. And as people go by, baskets, get your baskets. Yo, over there. It's been a while since you've ordered a fucking basket. I got lots of baskets over here. Baskets all over the baskets. Oh, listen to that. It's like a song. Yeah, it is. Let's go over here. Come on, behind the thing. And okay, I will okay. hustle him and Morple around behind the thing. <laughs> I am going to I'm gonna take off my armor just because I think stealth might be a thing here. So uh yeah. and just be in my, you know, probably slightly dodgy, but you know. You guys can kind of hide out in like a little covered bridge that goes over the stream as a, like you know, benches and stuff in there. Not, not a ton of people going through. So um, you're kind of give out of the way and you're able to uh, doff your armor and dress a little bit more stealthy. Yeah. And Morple goes up to goes, I'll keep an eye on him for you. Don't worry. He's not going to get out of my sight. Yeah. And my gear. Keep an eye on that as well. Oh, yeah. He grabs your pack and just kind of throws it over his, yeah. his uh, tiny shoulders and <laughs> tries not to let it tip him right over. You don't have to carry it around. I just have to keep an eye on it. I'll put it on the ground. Yeah, that's a good spot for it, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, this kind of right where it was. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yep. Good thinking, Warple. Yep. All right. Let's, uh, I learned from the best. That can't possibly be true. All right. Let's, uh, uh, let's do this thing. All right. So, what's the plan? Arf, you're going to stay here. Okay. I know. Yep. I yep. know. I know. I know. I, I'm going to keep my eyes closed and my ears closed and not be tempted. All right. And so, We'll walk a bit away. <laughs> okay. And there's a guy who's like, all right, so here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking somebody wants to buy some baskets and uh, I sneak into the house. That's what I think. But if somebody's got a better idea or somebody's better at sneaking, I'm willing to go for it. But that's just what I'm thinking. Or we go two and two if somebody else can uh, can come in. Two and two might be the best way. I know Zika can turn into animals. I I don't know the range, but there's been quite a few that have been rather impressive. But if you can go the smaller end, that might work. Small I can do. Okay. Or whatever you guys want to do. Or I can go out there and I can stall her with basket questions, I'm sure, for a while. And Audrey and I can probably annoy her for a while. And you guys can have plenty of time. So, how, But how do we want to do it? So we just need to do two people are keeping her busy. Two people are sneaking in. I was going to ask Arf if there were more people in the place but quite frankly i don't think he would know and it would just probably turn into a long soliloquy about the good old days and how he was gonna marry her and they were gonna open a bar together so i i figured it's probably better to just take a shot that there's not anybody else in the basket factory it does seem like a house so we should be okay it's a small round house in the front of the house is her workshop and like she sits outside it's a kind of an open air workshop like a little mm -hmm. like stall almost mm -hmm. and that goes into the house and he will basically tell you that the front of the house is her workshop and then there's the living area and then the kitchen beyond that a dining room a kitchen and a dining room in a house Halfling home is kind of the center point more often than not. And kind of like that bar, there's a little hearth that goes through the middle of these little round buildings. And then behind there, you know, the back of the building, there's a little like woodshed. There's not a back door, but there are windows that go in and you know that the sleeping quarters, her, her room there. And then there's like a, a little guest room off to the side and his stuff is in a closet in the guest room. And he's like, you won't miss it. There's a lot of dirty clothing. You're going to have to get to the bottom of that pile of dirty clothing. And you'll see a little reddish brown sack the size of like a, like a woman's handbag almost. Hmm. But there's a thousand gold pieces in that. And if people want to give me an arcana roll. Hey, I've got that. <laughs> 18. Basically, anybody who gets over like a 15 will have heard of magical bags 
There are uh, many different classifications. There are bags called handy haversacks, which are usually smaller with trick extra dimensional pockets in them. And then there are bags of holding, which are usually much larger, at least in what they can hold. All of these bags make use of like sewn in extra planar magic. So basically whatever is inside the bag goes into a pocket dimension. And those of people who know D&D know all about bags of holding. Uh, he's got some kind of bag of holding. It would have to be so if anyone could sniff out magic stuff, they could sniff it out that way or just, you know, dig to the bottom of it. Either way, you're going to have to dig to the bottom of a pile of dirty laundry. From what I understand, so for what he tells you, rather. Which is interesting that it's at the bottom of a pile of dirty laundry because normally people hide things in their dresser, which is just clean laundry. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, you've met Arf, right? I mean, his dirty laundry is going to be pretty foul. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the clothes he's wearing are, are as it is, pretty yeah. dang dirty. And this is the laundry he didn't want to take with him when he was <laughs> evicted. So it's okay. With the wild shape, I will have a completely different body afterward. Hmm? All right. <laughs> You think the stink will go away, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I can hope. Uh, no, you've put that to the test. I'm pretty sure in the bread basket, there's somebody here who sells shade-grown soaps, so we'll be fine. I also recommend when you do change into something, you change into something that likes the smell of what dirty laundry is. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, it's still you. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Maybe there's some inborn, you know, who yeah. knows. Alrighty, so uh, yeah, so that's that's where you're dealing with. All right, so we go up and we we just talk here. We don't have to do anything too grandiose, but I'm assuming we'll have to engage her in conversation. So, who wants to pretend to want to buy baskets? Oh, I can. Okay. I mean, I'll be terrible at it, but I'll. I'll... That's fine. <laughs> you don't have to be good at it. You just have to not say no. We're distracting you so someone can get into Arf's old room. As long as you don't say that, we'll be fine. All right. Kiernan, you want to go with Zika or you want to talk to a halfling about baskets for 20 minutes? I would prefer <laughs> and I'm probably better at sneaking, honestly, okay. but I can stay. All right. It's okay. I'll, I'll talk and uh, Audrey and I can cover this. So you guys sneak in. That's fine. Good. Good. All right. Right around that way. And we'll come up and we'll be walking down the thing. Audrey knows like we'll probably be very interested in buying some baskets and perhaps discussing a... Uh, a grandiose enterprise that will suddenly come to mind as we see these wonderful baskets. And well, then I think if we can probably get into some very boring conversations about the economics of baskets and, uh, and, and what kinds of shapes and sizes you can make baskets in. Cause I'm thinking that, you know, perhaps some sort of, uh, decorative uh, thing that we could do for the uh, forge. You know, they might want some totems and stuff for some rituals. This is all very good, and this is the kind of thing that we're going to do. We're going to do it for a lot longer than we ever want to talk about baskets, but hopefully it'll be pretty quick and the laundry isn't too horrible. Considering we're going to go to the primordial ooze canal, I feel like you know, this is just good training. Uh, <laughs> be prepared to roll for initiative when you attack the laundry. Just saying. Always. All right, so we'll start with team distraction. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this uh, plump little unpleasant woman is screaming at people about baskets. Mm -hmm. Henrietta, I know for a fact that your laundry basket is worn out because I see you dragging that thing up and down the lane. And it's an embarrassment to you and your whole family. I got laundry baskets coming on my butt. Well, you can see why Arf is in love with her. Oh, look, baskets. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is great. <laughs> My forge master is looking for something. Let's see how uh, durable they are and what kind of level uh, she might be able to. Hello, fair lady. Oh, you're uh, you're in the market for some baskets. Well, maybe a specially built, woven uh, totem or something. Yes, we are. And we've no totems. But look at your skills. You could do one. <sighs> I don't know. I don't. I don't do that kind of weird spirit magic stuff but i, no, I, I just make baskets just plain good wholesome baskets yeah some baskets wholesome yeah, well, we need baskets too yeah yes, yes. i mean we too and I'm, I'm curious do you i mean you have seemingly i'm assuming she's got baskets out Oh, yeah, yeah, there's baskets there's shitloads of baskets so there's small baskets and big baskets yeah. they are okay looking <laughs> Okay, great. They are not. <laughs> Razor, you are a dwarf, so craftsmanship is in your blood, and these kind of are like super mediocre baskets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, she's not a nept or anything. She just doesn't. There's no artistry to it. It's just very, very utilitarian. And they're going to wear out if you drag them on the grass, you know, across town a couple times. Yeah, yeah. What I'm going to want you guys to do sure. 
is give me uh, charisma deception mm-hmm. uh, rolls. Loving it. Obviously, uh, employ your uh, proficiency. If you have a proficiency deception, if not, just give me a straight charisma roll and uh, tell me how you do. And then we'll go over to Team Sneaky. All right. 23. Okay. I did remarkably well. A 17. Oh, wow. There it is. Okay. Look at us. That is uh, pretty, pretty good. All right. We're going to go on a heist later. This is going to be <laughs> awesome. She looks you over. She's just kind of sizing you two strange big folk up. All right. Let's talk about sizes. Then we'll go over to uh, Team Sneaky. So what y'all doing? I think in the back door is probably the best way. Okay. So what you know is that there is a woodshed um, that is uh, detached from the, well, it's attached to the back of the house, but it doesn't go into the house. Okay. And there are a couple of windows in the back, but there's not a back door per se. Okay. I think this could be the sort of job maybe a cat could do. Sure. Or a woodchuck. (laughs) (laughs) There's a number of other houses around. You know, it's not like a big city, not really closed in or anything. But being more of a habitated village, they're closer than your average farm buildings. There's some greenery and shrubbery and fences and stuff around, too. And this time of day, uh, a lot of people who are at home are out, like, putting laundry up and tending to backyard gardens, that kind of thing. So to approach the back of the house... I am going to need uh, stealth rules. What? Stealth? For the stealth mission? I know. Weirdly enough, there might be a stealth roll or two you need to make. I got a 23. (laughs) Okay. As you're kind of making your way through, Tiernan, you're able to just become one with the shrubbery and trees. You're slinking under trees, through bushes, you know, every once in a while, just looking to make sure that people aren't looking at you as you sneak through the backyards. And then you are in sight of the back of the house and you look and you see the windows in question and you are pretty certain that you would not fit in your present state. Gotcha. You would need to be a small-sized person in order to do this. Mm-hmm. I have to be small-sized, but as a cat, I'm tiny. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> now, question, as you're doing your sneaking, Zika, have you already turned into something, or were you planning on turning into something? Yeah, I'm going Animorph from the get-go. Okay. So you are trying to follow Kiernan, but he's really, really good at this. You know, usually pretty good at, you know, moving through trees and stuff, but he just kind of disappears and uh, you just kind of make a beeline. Well, hell, I'm just a cat. I make a beeline for the back of the house. And then as you are running through, you get inside of the house and you can see that, yep, indeed, these are some small windows that you, even in your main form, could easily get through. And as you're getting just about to the window, you hear the noise of... Dogs barking. (laughs) As a couple of neighborhood dogs have spotted this cat and it is making a little bit of a commotion and people are starting to notice. So how would you like to deal with this? Run. (laughs) Okay. So where are you running? How cleared of trees is it in this area? Like, are there trees? Are there no trees? There are trees close by. Like, you're always within at least like 20 feet of of a tree if you're in the middle of this backyard. So my thought is maybe go up a tree and then traverse toward the house via trees. Okay, that is great. I would like you to give me uh, acrobatics roll. This is just basically to kind of lose these dogs as fast as possible. 17. So the biggest dog is a collie, kind of medium-sized collie. Then there's like a little bull terrier and just a medium, smallish size mutt. And as you bound towards the tree, all but the bull terrier, the bull terrier is the closest to you as you get to the tree. And it will attempt to take a little bite at you as it gets somewhat close to you. This is what happens. You lose the other two dogs. You're uh, just about to bound up the tree and you kind of leave the ground and this bull terrier jumps up. Its jaws look way bigger to you in cat size as they do normally. And you're like, oh God, this is going to hurt. But the bull terrier kind of overextended his jump and crashes into the tree <laughs> as, he, uh, as he rolled a natural one to attempt to bite this cat. And you scamper up to the tree and out of sight. 
and uh, neighbor lady is going to come out and try and chase the dogs away. So, so Kiernan, mm-hmm. just give me a straight hide. Okay. That's just stealth, right? Yeah, it's just stealth. Yep, so I got a 16. Okay. Neighbor lady from kind of kitty corner backyard is like, shoo, shoo, get out of there. Leave the kitty alone. And then as she turns around to go back to her home, she stops and looks like she notices something in your direction, Kiernan. Like you're fairly certain she sees something. You're hidden in a dark shadow, but she's seeing something. So she's just kind of approaching cautiously. How would you like to react to this? I am going to uh, shift into a halfling that I've seen or similar to Yeah, I'll shift into a halfling that I've seen. Okay. And uh, just stay hidden if I can. Okay. You've seen a lot of children. You've seen a lot of farm workers. Okay. What are you? A a kid sounds good. Yeah, not too little. Alrighty. Maybe like 9, 10, 11, something like that. Alrighty. Roscoe Rootworth, is that you? Come out of there. Oh, it's me, all right. What are you doing hiding in the bushes? I just wanted to play with the kitty. Oh, you leave that kitty alone. That's a that's a stray. Strays are bad luck. That's what they tell me. All right, well, get on home to your mother. You got a cold or something? You sound weird. Meh. Kids. Yeah, allergies. It's the winter. Right. Well, get on home. Get you. Okay. <laughs> Zika, as you're looking down, this uh, halfling child just appears out of that bush. And then eventually the neighbor lady will peel off back to her yard, just kind of shaking her head. Dogs and children. Dogs and children. Mm. <laughs> Things kind of settle down. And you are uh, fairly certain the prying eyes have left. So, or perhaps fairly certain. (laughs) And then I'm going to uh, very quickly jump over to Team Distraction. Mm. As you are cruising through her many, many, many mediocre baskets, making selections, um, Something like this, but 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 with like a wider mouth, we would like to put crossbow bolts in it um, and hang it from the wall. So something like this, but with a little notch here. So that we can uh, hang hold it on. This right, hold on, hold on. That's, that's probably going to be a special order. Hold on a minute. She uh-huh. start, gets a little pad and paper and starts uh-huh. writing things down. Dimensions. It's just like, and can you double weave them? Double weave. Oh, yes. That's going to, double weave's going to cost you a little something extra, but I can do it. All right, well. And then all of a sudden you hear from the backyard dogs barking, and then you hear a voice shouting, Roscoe Rootworth, is that you? Somebody shouting, and you hear a small child voice, and, and at that point Petunia just kind of looks like, something going on in my backyard. What? Oh, I, but look, we've got to get this settled now. We have, we have to leave today, so let's get these orders settled out right now. It's barking dogs. It happens all the time. Don't worry about it. Let's go. Oh, so kids got... are always playing in the backyard. Probably saw a cat. Yeah, she seems to be uh, very, very much interested in, in going in the back and, and, and right, seeing I'll, what's going I'll start, on. I'll pull out my purse and start going through the gold coins. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just as a look, I mean, we do need to go. So. Yeah. Is there, if you're not able to do this, is there another basket maker nearby? <laughs> A rival, perhaps. Give me a persuasion, Scott, and uh, I'll give you advantage for the gold coins. All right. All right. Well, that is a 25. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, she's halfway, like, around the side of the house before, and then the coins come out, and then uh, the question of another basket maker hits your lips, and then she's like, well, hold on, hold on. We don't have to be uh-huh. rash about this, all right? Just some dogs, whatever. That's fine. All right, hold on. What are we talking about? And the distraction continues. So back to the other side. There's a window. How are you dealing with this window? Let's check and see if it's open first. Okay. So, oh, Kiernan first. Uh, the small child runs off. Did the small child come back or do you come back or who comes back? I will come back as the child. So I'll okay. just sort of make a circle around and come back okay. when I see that it's clear. Right. Okay. Uh, give me a perception rule. That's a 22. Great. Um, yeah. So you uh, you kind of wait a second. 
from where you are, you can kind of see the front of the house. And for a minute, you see Petunia moving away from Razor and Nolan, but then Razor's purse comes out and Nolan just kind of lays it on real thick and she stops. And at that point, you're like, okay, now. And then you run back to the backyard and then there you are. So are you still in the halfling body? I am indeed. Okay. So Zika, from the uh, tree, you can just make a quick jump over in your cat body to the windowsill. Okay. And you are looking into a small bedroom and it looks like we would need to kind of pull the window out because it opens out. A normal sized person could just open it from there and then, you know, a small person could slip in. So, or you can try as a cat to kind of cling to the side and maneuver it with your paw. But, um, you know, two people could make this work pretty easily. So, all right. I will see if Kieran is on the way back. Yep. So, about the time you're on the windowsill, you'll see this halfling child who was there a second ago, who you probably assume is Kieran, come back to the backyard. So, I will give a, a quiet sort of meow of suggestion that, you know, maybe this, this isn't as easy to somebody without thumbs. <laughs> I will give a thumbs up. Okay. For medium size, you could easily open this window just from the ground. Sure. It's just out of halfling child's reach, so. So I will duck behind something and uh, become myself again. Okay. Yeah, you take a quick look around at this point. You've got a pretty good lay of the land, and you're able to kind of get where you're pretty well unseen. And then, yeah, the halfling child shifts back into Kiernan, and uh, you're able to just open the window. Is kitty cat going in? Yeah, yeah. I suppose. Seems like the thing to do at this point. Okay. So what you would need to do, Kiernan, is either get small and climb up or pull yourself up and get small as you're going through the window. Probably getting small and climbing is going to be, I would say, the safest route. So I'll do that. Okay. Yeah, you're not under any duress. And what's your acrobatics? Five. Okay, you can make that no problem. That would be a five anyway. So you climb up into the window and you find yourselves in this back bedroom. This looks to be, it appears to be the guest's bedroom. As you get in, you will notice a closet on the uh, left side as you're approaching it. And as you get closer, you start to smell the smell of dirty laundry. Hey, this will be easy to find. <laughs> Cat laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to make a quick perception to see if there's anything that could detect us or any person. Okay. Uh, yeah. Give me a perception roll. That was terrible. 11. You don't notice anything. You don't, you know, obviously it's, you know, if there's nobody else in here, you don't hear anything. You do hear the sound of uh, this, you know, very loud, obnoxious halfling and your friends out there dithering over baskets. You're sure you're alone and, and unseen. So a closet and a pile of dirty laundry. Let's start digging through the, start digging through the laundry. <laughs> As you're digging through the laundry, uh, just give me, uh, just give me constitution savings throws for fun. <laughs> uh -oh, this could be a problem. <laughs> All right. How'd you do? I got a 12. Okay. 12 for my con save. Okay. So you both are able to pull through the dirty laundry without retching. Uh, it wasn't going to be any kind of condition or bonus, anything, but it was just, you know, just generally unpleasant. Fun, yeah. But, but, uh, since, you know, in the last few days going through swamps and underground caverns and drow caves and all kinds of nasty stuff, it's just, we're just a walk in the park. Uh, so you dig to the bottom and indeed you find this small bag. You open it up and you just kind of stick your head in and there is a ton of coins in there more than should be able to fit. I don't know if cats can cock an eyebrow, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what I'll need to get out and clear is give me some stealth rolls again. That's a 19 for me. Okay, Zika? Also a 19 for me. Okay, great. So you guys grab the bag. You're able to get back out the window and scoot out. Once you're out, what are you doing? Uh, I will shift back to myself behind cover of trees. Okay. Are we ready? I'll say to Zika Cat. I'll switch back to myself and then I will ask if you want to carry the coins back and maybe I can be ready to provide a distraction, maybe as a dog. <laughs> sure. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're you're carrying a bag that presumably she hasn't seen. So it's not like you're carrying about a lot of loose coins. So put it in my backpack. 
Yeah, you can put it in your like backpack or whatever. It's smaller than that. So as you kind of make your way around the scene, there's this commerce going on between them. And all of a sudden, from the other end of the street, you hear this. And then you see Arf running down the street with Morpal following him <laughs> just a little ways behind. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. Hold on a minute. Let me deal with this. Of course, you, you deal with this local trouble. They just start shouting and screaming back and forth. Hadrian, the road that way seemed clear. Yeah, let's go. Uh, this doesn't seem like the place to buy our baskets. Oh, yeah, no, not with this kind of disturbancing. It's going on. <laughs> and as the uh, as that argument goes on between the two halflings, you're able to uh, uh, extricate yourselves from the situation with uh, a bag of coin in tow, and you are ready to head out of town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a relief. For a minute there, I thought I was going to have to spend some gold on some crappy baskets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are able to get out without having to actually purchase any baskets. And as this scene ends, we will take a pause for today. And when we find you again, uh, you'll be leaving town and heading towards this inn. All right. Yeah, well done. You have conquered Breadbasket. Well, you haven't left town yet, but you're, you know, you, you will. <laughs> hey, we did something that, that uh, those people up north couldn't do. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, we didn't murder a single person, which uh, I'm impressed by personally. Yeah, no, no need. You just, you know, threw a halfling in a pond and, you know, you guys, uh, uh, be fair, he deserved it. Committed uh, some uh, very low end burglary <laughs> yeah. for actually quite a bit of money. All right. Uh, well, I want to thank you guys uh, for a fun session and we'll uh, we'll see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And once again, we would love to thank our Apprentice Architect Patreons, Gillian and John Christensen, Suzanne Bell, and Caitlin Thompson. We could not do this without you. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash AOE podcast. Have fun. We'll see you next time. <laughs>